Welcome back again to another episode of the Trekway with Mr. Gray, myself, Trev. Hello. Uh, thank you Howdy. for joining us all. Uh, we are reviewing the finale today of Lord X, um, episode 10, season 3, The Stars at Night, it's called. And part of me is glad it's finished, and a little part of me is sad, which, you know, I'll explain why uh, as we get into it. Uh, we'll briefly just mention at the start, we'll, we'll leave our scores to the end of the review, but at the start, we'll just kick off and say that it was a decent finale. It was maybe even a good finale for me, but certainly not 10 out of 10. There were some flaws there and issues, which you'll get to. I think Gray thought a bit less of it than myself, didn't you, Gray, without kind of spoiling right. the review? Uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, so there you go. So he doesn't, he doesn't want to spoil nothing. He's going to rip out a new one, I think, safe to say. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I think some of it comes down to uh, uh, it's 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 a canon thing, and I'm not doing their homework enough because I think it's it's a cartoon they get away with a lot more, and some things that should be are not, and because those things are no longer done properly by the writers, they kind of then become, in some respects, new canon, which I hate, but it's live action, so that's the rules of the game. Uh, but we'll talk about those points, why we, we dislike them, and, and Gray's, he's putting a lot more notes than usual. That says something. He just adds to my yeah, notes, kind of a, but he's, he's getting... Cause I was, that's because I was livid about some stuff. He's, it's all green, man. It's, 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 it's green. Um, where's that from? What scene's that from, people? Uh, right, okay, well, we'll kick off then. Soiling green? Romulan L. Soiling green? You don't oh, remember that. Remember that? Scotty gets... blue. Oh, what was it? Oh, no, Romeo Nails Blue, so it is. It's the green stuff that Scotty was drinking with uh, uh, one of the officers actually, on the Enterprise. Yeah. Is that or a... There's actually yeah. different... No, it was a whiskey of some kind, but it was... Yeah. A, and he's pissed, isn't he? He's the proper pissed because he doesn't drink Synthahol. I love him. I knew yeah. he's a true Scotsman. I knew it. Yes. Synthahol? <laughs> what is that? It's when he's, when you... he's on Enterprise D, I... he's like, Synthahol! <laughs> And by the way, plug, plug for Trekway that you're watching right now. There's this Jim James doing tribute interview I did 30 years ago or whatever that's on there. But I also pick and chose my images carefully. But there's one in there that I really liked, which was a meme. I think you saw it, uh, Trev, about, about Scott Scotsman. And he goes, he goes, uh, the meme comes up and has Scotty and it goes, uh, he says, how tough are Scotsman? And Scotty's gone, laddie, I'm the only one wearing a red shirt that's not dead. <laughs> I love that. I don't know who did that meme, but it was perfect. That's one of my favorite tribute interviews that Gray done back in the day. And I would recommend you check them out, people. If you on our YouTube, we have different playlists. We have specials, one-offs we do, like random ad talk episodes. We do ones do wanna, from series. Do, hmm? You want to tease what, what's, what interview is coming next? Up to you. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, this Monday, it's dropping. It's uh, Jonathan Frick's. It's a bit more short and sweet and to the point, and the audio's a little bit better. But bear in mind, Gray's ripping this from cassettes back in the day, so we we do the best we can with them. But if you just turn the volume up a bit, jobs are good. Um, but yeah, no, you'll jo you'll jo love the the this uh, 
the James Stone one because you'll find out why he chose that accent that he did. It was up to him what accent he chose, so you'll find out all about him. Um, and it's it's a thorough one of my favourites. So I know there's another uh, spe- uh, playlist for reviews, uh, sorry, not reviews, uh, yeah, interviews, which you can listen to as well. So yeah, that's a little diverge from us like we normally do but we'll crack into the episode thank you for your patience right so this is the finale so i'm expecting big things um we've got the cerritos uh in for repair at douglas station um after it's pounding from the the brain and i think i quoted that actually so they're using that term now they're using that term because they're used to getting a pounding so much which we'll cover exactly that that's now the new thing we're taking a pounding yet again Punch bag. The pure Cerritos <laughs> is the punch bag of the Cali fleet. Uh, of, yes. the, of Starfleet. Of the whole Starfleet. <laughs> this is true, mate. This is very true. Um, but I love to see an old-fashioned um, uh, Starbase again uh, because you see different kinds, but that's my favourite kind. I don't know if it, the, the grade, the name's got a class, but I just call it the old-fashioned type Starbases because I prefer them. They don't have a class, do they, like a Starship? Um, they I guess technically, if you're really into the deep deep canon, I believe they do. I don't. I don't know Pass. which, but yeah, because there's so that's many stuff types, that you can there? get. Um, I mean, if anybody's interested in getting that deep, you can always go to the Memory Alpha site, and they True. get like really deep, 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 deep. in the stuff. Really deep, yeah. They they are the experts in the the wiki of the whole Star Trek universe. Uh, but yeah, so they are getting uh, a repair. Um, uh, Captain Freeman. Uh, goes in for uh, an an update, a shakedown, if you like, with Starfleet Council to see, you know, what the hell happened with Project Swing by, why it didn't, why it wasn't successful. You know, Carol Freeman's trying to defend everything that happened here, um, and it turns out uh, Starfleet are considering, uh, seriously considering, scuttling the whole Cali class. Um, and replacing them with those new Texas-class automated ships that we saw last time. That, that AI controlled, that's part of the charm or the dislike of them, because apparently they done so well last time, let's scuttle the fleet. Now, Gray's got a bit of a rant about this. I'll let you finish off this point here, Gray. Okay, so when I heard that this was happening with this AI-controlled stuff, I just started thinking back, because there was an episode... Uh, of the original series, season two, episode 24, to be exact, called The Ultimate Computer. Um, and in that episode, it's one of the best episodes of the original Trek, and I've seen that yeah. episode multiple times. Um, so I, I know the episode really well. Um, and the thing that, that hit me like all of a sudden was the fact that they, in my opinion, this was not an homage to that episode. This was a complete ripoff of the episode. Because a lot of the stuff that they did in there uh, is stuff that you saw in that original episode. And then, as we go into it later on, uh, they actually ruined a lot of the stuff that they should have known because canon is canon. So that episode is canon, and the writers seem to have forgotten this or don't care. I don't know which. Um, but that was a, a, the, you know part of the thing that hit me right away all of a sudden. Uh, the second prob- big problem I had was Starfleet uh, after being founded on manned, manned exploration, okay, is giving in just so easily for AI-controlled ships for uh, for what should be handled by a real crew. Makes no sense to me because I'm sitting there going like, what? Starfleet was founded on the fact that they wanted on purpose manned 
episode man starships going out there doing the job otherwise so the they could have done they... ai from the very start gray couldn't they? the exactly. very start well, not of anything yeah yeah and so i'm sitting there going so that's like and and you're telling me this is an entire council i mean if you looked at the table that she was at they had something like i don't know eight admirals or whatever from around the starfleet so this was not something that was just you know uh just a one-off this that's, was a yeah. serious meeting yeah. so a huge contingent of starfleet high mucky mucks all of a sudden decide yeah sure i think we should just abandon this and scuttle the cali yeah that makes total sense and i'm sitting there going like are you kidding me it's that is freaking ridiculous i said ai ships are only good for probing or gathering basic information so that a real starship and a real crew can be sent in for first second third 25 contact whatever um, that's the whole premise that Starfleet fleet, fleet was built on, and you just crapped on it, writers. You just crapped on it and didn't even think twice about it. Ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, there's a, there's a lot to agree in that one, uh, Gray. I, I mostly agree in it. I'm thinking from the story plot idea, their logic will be, and again, I'm going logic, not whether I like or dislike it. So don't shoot the messenger. That they're. The reason for getting rid of the Cali class will be because the Cali class's main purpose, not sole purpose, but main purpose is uh, swing by uh, second contacts, which are important, mm -hmm. but they're a secondary job. So that's why they, they treat the whole class, and I think in their eyes, uh, I think in the Admiral's eyes, Starfleet's eyes, as they're, they're just a bit shit, aren't they? All these ships and the crew and stuff, which we'll see at the end of the episode, that's not the case without throwing in... Uh, early spoilers but great that it's hard to kind of mostly disagree with you there um so pr it's pretty pretty infuriating if you want to use a, a plot if you want to use an idea for a plot uh, writers don't just grab anything and put it in research it a bit and see if it'll work while all this works in theory does it work practically no because as gray said that starfleet's not about that they do use automated ships sure they do but it's a small number of them, and they're not for something sure. as serious as a second contact. They're for crap jobs, things that you can't put people into, you know, uh, poisonous, poisonous atmospheres, nebulas, things that are too, too far away and would take forever even for a starship, things like that. Well, you and I mentioned this in the last uh, thing we did, and that is the fact that in, this, in the original series, they did have an unmanned ship. There was an episode where they had an unmanned freighter that simply was like a uh, 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 like a train carrying freight, and this thing was automated to carry the freight to and from. A okay. lot of cargo ships yeah. were that back in uh, Scott Bakula's day, back in Enterprise right. days, wasn't right. it? Right. So, so that there's a reason for having an AI ship do that because yeah. you know you're just going in normal straight lines, uh, lanes. There's there's never right. There's never any danger. They're 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 just import export. Fine. Yeah. That's exactly the way it should be. But this was just taking cannon and going like. Here's cannon. Yeah, for a we serious thing, for a serious thing that's still second contact, it's not first contact, but it's still important. You could piss well, off yeah, a whole me, species. And I don't, I don't mean to interrupt you, but if you think about it, especially in terms of this show, the way I think about it, and I'm not saying I'm a, you know, Einstein, but second contact would be every bit as important as first contact. In some ways, maybe even more, mm -hmm. because you have to go in there and you have to, you have to continue to to nurture what the first contact people did and that could go crazy or bad really easy 
you know, yeah. because what if what if the group that you came to said, oh, I, I preferred Picard and his crew over you? You've got to sit there and like convince them, well, you know, we're just as capable and we need to further our relationship that Picard started or whoever started, right? Yeah, Kirk's yeah. Picard, doesn't matter. So in some ways, the second contact is every bit as important as the first. In my eyes, that's that's seems awfully logical. You know, Fair enough to me. It's um, it's um, it is very important. I think the reason for me, first contact always been the most important. It's that little bit more important sure. than the second because it's your first impression. First impressions are everything, but second contact, mm -hmm. yeah, right. For the most part, certainly my book, my eyes, I agree. Um, you've got to follow up with another strong opinion and uh, of of yourself, otherwise you're just going to end up ruining. Um, yeah your relations and with I, other species. I, I also think that the second contact importance was something that they did right in this episode. As we, as you'll see later, as we talk and stuff like that, it, they, they treat it as being an important, that it should be yeah. an important thing. So that part they did get right in the show. It wasn't a complete, yeah, yeah. you know, me messed up. I know I'm, I'm pounding on stuff and rightly so, but there are some good Makes things. a change from so the Cerritos right. taking one. We'll cover that so as what? well. You said yeah. pounding, and I went, it makes a change. You taking a pounding yeah. as opposed to the Cerritos, mate. Um, yeah, no, I mean, the whole the whole point of the Cali class is predominantly the the uh, second contact thing. They do other stuff, of course they do, but so this is important, and we'll, we'll, we'll talk, we've talked about this, we'll talk about it uh, later on in the episode, why it's about, why it exists, and why it's vindicated in the end. Uh, but yeah, no, obviously that was a big serious point, and I knew we'd have to get some stuff off our chest with that one. Um, right, so we'll crack on. Uh, the our favourite ensigns find out the bad news that the Cali Cali ships are going to get scuttled uh, because it's pretty much been confirmed at this stage, um, and they're wondering how the bridge crew will take it. So, boy, boy, bold boims, very bold right now, Gray. Oh <laughs> he starts doing impressions of the bridge crew and how they would handle the news. He does a good impression of Tiana because he's literally, you know, he literally says a line that Tiana would say with a swear word in the middle and it's beeped out. And I went, nice one, Boim's nice. Uh, he then does Shax. Uh, Gray's not happy about this. He does Shax and Shax walks in and I'm doing this behind him. And I'm like, oh, he's behind you. It turns around, oh, shit. I'm sorry, sir. I'm sorry. It's, and he, he plays the tough card initially, you know, that's how I sound, right? Fine then. And it's, I wanted to, look, you know, come in get my phaser looked at, but screw you guys kind of thing, and walks away, and as he's walking away, he starts crying. Now, I thought it's it was it was you seeing the emotional side of him, right? Which gets vindicated in a little bit, but Gray wasn't very happy with this, were you, Gray? No. no. First of all, um, when he was, or when he first started uh, uh, arguing with Boeings about what he did, or the impression, you could see that the expression in Shaq's face changed which you could see that he was hurt a little bit. That was enough. You didn't have yeah, to do yeah, anything yeah. more than that. But then he turns around and he starts crying like a baby. And I'm going like, are you kidding me? This is Shaq's number one. Number two, he's a Bajoran. Hello. There goes Cannon out the, the window The toughest again. species Thank in you. the Alpha Quadrant. Thank you, writers. Bajorans don't cry like that. They, they, if they cry, it's for a good reason. So did Kieran Reese cry during the entire what seven seasons or whatever of Deep Space Nine? Yeah, occasionally, but it was for a damn good reason. Yeah, so this God died or something. Person. Yeah, this is nothing. Exactly. He's a Bajoran on top of it all, and yet he's, he cries. I'm like, come on, are you kidding me? 
I'm sitting there going, just totally wrong, 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 wrong. Riders, you messed up once again. Okay. There'll be lots of that. I'm ready for, I'll hold back for my next beef. <laughs> yeah, there'll be, be more negative points, but there are good points as well. Yeah. And I'll try and bring it up a little bit because we are a bit Grey thanks less for this episode than I do, which is entitled to. And that's why we mm. love the debate. Uh, so we then eventually f- catch up with uh, Mariner. Um, I need to stop calling her Becky because that's her first name. I like to call people by their surname. It either comes to sports or Star Trek, you use their surname. I don't know why, but you just do. <laughs> so anyway, Mariner, uh, we find out what she's doing. She's 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 went all Indiana Jones on his grey. You see her um, yep. swinging from platform to ancient platform uh, away from the uh, Ferengi. We don't know if she's she's got an artifact in her hand under her arm, sorry, and we don't know if she's. I don't think she's stolen it off them. More likely, she's interrupted them getting the artifact or stole it off them right. from the scene because you know Ferengi, you know what they're like. Uh, so she literally, she's she's dodging all these phaser shots as if they weren't there. I'm sorry, Ferengi, like they are maybe scum of the universe, but. They're not that bad a shot. They're not going to miss all those shots. So your your inaccuracy there, writers. She avoids so many of them. I'm like, mm, yeah. makes a mockery, and I'm like, wasn't a big fan of that. Uh, I never noted that down either. Did yeah. you agree? But I think we both agree on that. No, point. I, I I agree with you totally, and I saw that. But I was sitting there trying to trying going like I got I I'm gonna cut some slack for the writers because they're doing so bad so far. <laughs> wow, <laughs> you're all right, man. You feeling okay? Let me take your temperature. Cut a little bit of slack. That is, I mean, that was a minor point com- compared to the stuff I already talked about and the stuff that's still coming. Yeah, no, this is true. Uh, so we wonder, uh, we, 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 Beckett, Mariner, sorry, uh, wonders how the, the architect's paying for all the equipment. Seems very suspect. You like this uh, this part, Grey Apartment? Yeah, I'm archaeologist, by the way, she is. Uh, she's, she, I thought the whole scene, the whole development of Beckett from when we saw the episode before where she took off with the uh, uh, the archaeologist lady. Forgot her name, sorry. Um, I don't know her name either. That, Do you know that? I, I should, but I don't. Whatever. The, the English anyway, architect but, lady. That's all we know. But she, but that whole thing was, was great. That was one of the good parts of the yeah. episode. They, they totally took what happened before. It made complete sense to what uh, she, Beckett would, would do in a situation like that. She was having a good time. In fact, I thought I liked the scene so much that I would like to see more. I'd like to see a spinoff show. Oh Jesus! <laughs> wow. To have like to have like the archaeologist and Beckett go off on these adventures. Well, that could happen. Spoiler: What happens yeah, later? Yeah, the, well, I'm saying you could do a lot with that if you think yeah. about it. Yeah, you're you know, right. That's now. how much I like those scenes. Those scenes were very, very good. It made total sense. The character when they were in character, it made sense to everything that's been going on. No problems there. You did you did right right with the writers. Not much, but that part you got right. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Um, so we'll get we'll cut the writer some tiny bit of slack there. I just I, I think Gray was his negative energy was affecting me there that I thought I had to pick on such a small <laughs> point before. But yes, he is right. Let's leave them. Let's uh, give them some slack. Uh, so uh, uh, Captain Freeman uh, is trying to challenge this whole um, scuttle and the the Cali class ships when it's confirmed. And she's trying to give the positive points of Project Swing By um, and what it can actually do for the Federation. Um, as a kind of compensation, though, uh, Admiral, here we go, 
Buen amigo. Buen amigo. Buen amigo, yeah. right? We, we, we had Spanish Admiral down so many times. Gray's actually went and actually found out his name, so cheers, Gray. Um, <laughs> God damn it. Goddamn Spanish Admiral. Uh, but I do like this ca- this character, Bon Amigo. Um, he literally says, Carol, here you go. You know, we will actually want to make you fleet captain of the Texas class, which normally, you know, any other day you'd be like, wow, that is, that is, a, it's a promotion. It's not a massive promotion, but it's a promotion. I like to think of it as kind of to the right or the left slightly rather than going up, but it's a bigger responsibility. So, uh, a lot of captains may have accepted this, but she's like, no, no, I, I'm not interested in that. That's not what I'm about. Um, she, uh, one Amigo shows uh, the fancy new uniform with like kind of more little notches on it. It just looks overkill. Uh, he's trying to sell it with kind of some bling and some gold. She's like not interested at all. Um, By the way, I want to interrupt that whole the whole do. scene where. She was given this token uh, thing where she's going to lead the class of unmanned ships, okay, is again another lift out of the ultimate computer because in the oh, really? ultimate computer, I'm not going to give it away because y'all should go see the episode, yeah. but in ultimate computer, there's a scene with Kirk, a very good scene with Kirk that basically is where this came from, more or less. It's not exact, mm. but, if, but, but you'll know it when you see it in the episode, and they did a crappy job uh, of how they did it here, but it... But it was, it, it was, that was the homage part. It went right to, to that episode. But again, not written like that episode. You're talking about an A-plus episode of the original series to this, and it doesn't even compare. But as I'm watching the episode, I can see where they're throwing back, you know, because they do that a lot. But they're throwing back in the wrong ways on some of the stuff, back to that episode. But anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's, a, it's a nice little um, addition to that point, actually, because uh, I didn't know that. Um, so, no, she knocks it back, safe to say. Captain Freeman knocks it back, says no chance, and she says, instead, let me prove the worth of the Cali class of my crew, my ship, of Project Swing By, and she challenges Bonamago to uh, a mission race. Um, it's going to be a second contact race. Um, it's a thing that they've partly made up on the fly. That's what they're calling it in a discussion between the captain and the commander. Um, the idea being that they're going to go to a few different planets and literally do a second contact as quickly as possible, give them what they need, and then warp on to the next one. Whoever wins is keeping their job, basically. So I like this. I like this little race that they set up. Yeah. It was a good way to test that, and I think Gray does mm-hmm. as well. So uh, mm-hmm. we then everyone's getting ready for this, this test here, basically. Um, and one thing that I do remember, but Gray actually did note, note here, is they're getting ready. Uh, the the chief engineer, uh, I've forgotten his name. Yeah, me too. But that's okay. mm, it's annoying, frustrating. <laughs> it's at the tip of my tongue. He says he literally wants to see Commander Data level of work, which yeah, was a, a nice little nod to superior data here. Uh, Tiaras, <laughs> here we go. This is one of the best bits of the episode. Here's one of our favorite people. <laughs> here Dr. we go. Tiana Cat. Cap- Captain Doctor Doctor Cat Tiana. Uh, she says she didn't spend seven effing years in a goddamn Auburn to be knocked down to station position. This whole time she's walking about with a whip in her hand, just like Stalin, just whipping this thing, threatening people. Like everybody's smacking them around. Like, yeah, this going. is it. Uh, you can hear her. You can hear her yell in the background still as Tendy speaks to uh, the, the council, the bird council. God knows what his name is. Like, some of them have funky names. She then runs up to them and smacks them with a whip, 
she's she's saying, "What are you? What are you doing here? Get the f out of my sick bay." Grace chuckle at this. Grace mentioned a couple of times here these quality comments. Safe to say, Tiana's both of her favourite characters. I mean, I love Shax as well, but Tiana just edges it for me. I don't know about you, Grace. Oh, definitely. It, it, I was waiting when she gets the stuff that's just tailor made for her character, like the scene. <laughs> it's just freaking hilarious. Just totally hilarious. I couldn't. I couldn't handle it. It was so great. She just comes up and goes. And when she talked about Oberyn, that's a class of ship. That's like a. Yeah, the, hard, the hardcore Trekkie should know that one. Definitely. Right, exactly. So when she said that, it was even funnier. And then, and then, and then while Counselor and Tendi are talking, out of nowhere, completely nowhere, she smacks them with, with Runs up, says, yeah. Get the F the out meows of my and... <laughs> What are you doing here? Get the F out of my I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, here, here's a point, I'm, Grace. I'm rolling. See the uh, actress that plays her, right? Now, mm-hmm. I can't remember the actress' name, but... I am so jealous. What a job she's got. Can you imagine that? She yeah. can come in and just F this and F that and S this and S that. Yeah. What a field day to come in and just let it all out. You know what I would like to see? And I don't, maybe one day. We Behind the scenes in the booth. I, I want, yes. No, 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 no. What? Even better than that. No, even better than that. Okay. I would like to see those scenes with no bleeps put into like a blooper reel. Oh, yeah, yes. Blooper oh, reel only, if you could put them all together, all yep. all her scenes, it would be the best. It would be the best and funniest stuff. Take out all the bleeps, every scene Tiana is yep. in, and just let it go. As, I would pay. I would pay money as long to as it's it. blooper only, because I we 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 touched on this before. You're maybe for them not bleeping it. I am for bleeping them because it adds to the whole character that it is naughty and they have to bleep it out. It, it makes it worse almost, you know. But I get your point. If it's a blooper thing, hell yes, because it may it may be even funnier to be fair. So yeah, Doctor yeah. Katiana uh, making episode. She, I swear to God, Gray, her and Shax, especially her, actually on their own can bring a score out of 10 uh, oh, uh, yeah. by one or two points alone because yeah. of their scenes. So, um, yeah. But yeah, so what we what we see here, Grey, Grey was not happy with this. Uh, we we again see Shax uh, after crying over Boimler's earlier comments. Uh, you're not happy about this again still, Grey. You thought, you thought they maybe have done it as a one-off, one-off scene and left it, but no, they showed them still upset, yeah. Exactly. I don't like the way they handled it the first time. And then why would they have to do it again? There's no reason to do it again. None. Zero. I have to agree with that. And they have to throw it in again. And they're sitting there going, oh, please, I can maybe let it, it away the first, first time. time, but uh, yeah. 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 No, I agree, Gray. I agree, mate. It's, um, you're making them too soft now. I get that even the biggest bears are a little bit soft sometimes, but that's, yeah, yeah. come on. You're making but, it be a wimp gonna, now. They're, they're, right. And he was soft in 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 some ways when you mentioned a bear, which we'll see later. To the yeah, yeah, yeah. that made sense. That made sense. But the rest of it, come on, man. Yeah, it's like okay. yeah. race not happy. Um, yep. So now we kick off the race. Right, this is the good stuff. I like races in Star Trek. It's just fun and naughty, and it shouldn't be allowed, but it is. Um, mm-hmm. So the race starts. The uh, they both warp away. Um, and the Aledo, uh, Aledo, sorry, the the the, the main uh, cla- ship of the Texas class line uh, asked Admiral if we should go, and he's like, "No, no, give the Cerritos a head start." As he starts piping a cigar up, which I thought was a nice little touch. Um, it, while they're kind of warping to one location to another, uh, the Cerritos, because of its head start, literally gets to where it's going, 
and gets its uh, prefab down there and starts fine-tuning it and tweaking it with engineers. Um, but the Alido comes in behind it and then literally just beams a whole prefab unit down. Now, I haven't noted this down either as grey, but well, I'm not sure if this is technically possible in Star Trek or not. Let's say, argument's sake, it is. I still think it's a bit far-fetched to beam a whole prefab. This thing's huge, this unit. This is the size of a building, right? Yeah. And it's beamed down in one go. Now, while it's technically possible in Star Trek, you would need a whole ship in theory, because this is great and I, we dig into these little points because they matter to us. You would have to have a massive ship with massive power levels and a massive replicator and beaming unit to right. get it down in one go. And this Alito ship is smaller than a Cali class, I think, anyway. It's not bigger than it. So Definitely, it, yeah, not bigger. It doesn't make and, sense for it. And it's it's, and a, it's also not the class of ship to be doing that. Yeah, no, it's it, it is it is more the AI, it's the nippy ship, it's the fast ship, it's it's got good mm-hmm. armaments, it's not designed for that. That would be like a big science vessel that would maybe do that stuff. Um so that was Or guess what? An unmanned freighter. <laughs> there it goes, right? See? Say there it's got its use. Um so yeah, it literally beams it down in one go and it's like hold my beer. I can almost say the Lido with a beer outside its nacelle going, watch how I do this. Boink. <laughs> and the guys are like all the uh, officers are like, Oh shit, right, okay, let's get let's get snapping, right? And uh, this whole time, and it's happened a couple of times, uh, Rutherford is kind of distracted by code on his pad, which we will get to why that is the case. So he's like, sorry, like let's go, let's finish tweaking this off. Uh and uh, because the Cerritos can't beam the units down in one go, uh, it's a little bit behind at this stage. The race continues on. Uh, the Cerritos is falling behind uh, because this same very planet that they're on, they think they've sound, they think they've found microscopic signs of life. Now they're a bit unsure. Should they just carry on? Maybe it's fine, Gray. But no, no. They consult. Uh, Tindy consults the doctor. And she says, no, no, you were right to uh, contact us. We have to be safe. She scans it, uh, and it turns out there's nothing there. It's fine. Uh, And you like this scene, Gray, because they're playing it by the book, as you should do. Right, exactly. It it, it made sense to the whole Prime Directive. When she scanned it, she said that there could be sentient life. And if it's sentient life... But she said sentient. No, it was microscopic. Microscopic sentient life. She said what? That. Are you sure? Is that a thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It could be on any level. You don't How know. How can you be intelligent if you're the size of a microbe? It doesn't matter. I'll give you benefit what, of the what... doubt, mate. I. But if you, if the you point think... is that she. The point is, she said it. It could be microscopic sentient life, and out in space, you, you don't know. No, that's no, what they course. explore things for. So she's going by the book, which she's supposed to, and I thought that was a great scene. Um, and then I thought the scene with the doctor, one of the few scenes Dr. Tana doesn't curse, uh, <laughs> Tendy was feeling bad, you know, because when the doctor scanned it with better equipment, he finds out, no, it, there is no sentient life. So she felt bad. But the doctor immediately told us, look, you didn't do anything wrong. It says th- these kind of things. And, you know, and I forgot the word she used, some kind of uh, and say doctor word, uh, you know, double d- babble speak or what a tech, technical techno speech, techno babble. And she said that these things will screw up the best uh, uh, tricorders. So yeah, she yeah. made her feel good, better by saying, yeah. look, you didn't have my equipment. You did the right thing. Don't feel bad. And she did do the right thing. Yeah. And true. so I thought that was a that was one of the few scenes where Tiana doesn't come on funny and curse. She actually it played works. it. 
It's fine. Right. Yeah. And it worked. And it worked. And she was, st- again, she does. That, that, that character, even when she's serious, she's good. Well, <laughs> see, normally we would complain, Grey and I, that she said a line and she's not swore because she's used, she's had serious lines and moments before, and we've said, why the hell did she not swear? Or why the F did she not swear, ironically? Because that's what she does. But this time, yeah, it was actually, it worked without uh, her swearing because she had to be genu- right. genuine, serious right. moment. But, um, whether it was microscopic, uh, if the if the micros were sentient or not, right? Does it matter? Even if they weren't sentient, I think whenever you're doing anything on a planet at that level, you've got to make sure there's no sign of life at all. That's the whole point. So she done the right thing, tended by calling that one end to be the safe side. So it turns out it's good. Nothing there. They they basically have to carry on and uh, catch up with their with their mission. The next part of their second contact race, the Cerritos, is a planet called. Omenic 9 or something like that. Uh, this was cool, right? Because this planet only phases into our known dimension for a few hours every year. Now, this had been done in Star Trek a few times before, and every time it's been great. Yeah. So one of the few things they haven't overused in Star Trek, actually. I've seen it in Voyager before. I've seen it in TNG, uh, just off the top of my right. head. I love it. Um, I love that you can still have a first or second contact with a species, even though they're about for, like, no existence at all. Um, the Alido uh, delivers its supplies in time, as we expect, but the Sritos turns up too late and the planet vanishes, which, you know, seems like game over. But something to note as well, that when the planet phases in, you actually see a couple of the locals and they're sitting down there in like an they're old hamlet village type thing, like yeah. proper. Like, why are you doing first contact or second contact with these people? No way, because they're not a they're a pre warp civilization. Christ, they're Stone Age almost, just from what we see. But anyway, we're we're nitpicking here, and we see that the two people, the lady, she's wait, she knows these supplies are coming, and the guy's just bored. He's like, are, "Are we there yet? Are we there? Come on! Like, I'm bored. Let's do something." I found that amusing with these guys. The prefab unit comes down from the ladle, and they're like, "Yes, all these supplies. Not prefab. It was just supplies. Comes down, right. uh, and then we we catch up the Suitos, the ladle, uh, in in space and in, in orbit, and they look a bit gutted because essentially they look like they've failed the race because they couldn't do anything. Uh, you like this scene as well, Gray? You're you're happy with the phasing planet? It's a good Trek episode usually when that, that's in it. Yeah, I mean, because I think it's it was something that was necessary and for and made sense to the to the basic storyline, prime director of the whole thing. Um, and even though Tendy felt bad, it was something that you were supposed to do that you had to do. Yep. Uh, and this, of course, is what we bring up coming up soon, where things later in the in the episode where this makes a big difference. It does. I, mean, makes, I don't want to. Jump, I don't want to jump ahead. But it, ma- it makes a anyway. massive difference because I mean, I was thinking this straight away, Gray, when that that point comes up that you're thinking of that. Well, I know they're going to use it. They have to, and that's not a bad thing. So they're down and out. They've lost the race. Everyone looks gutted on the Cerritos. Uh, they're all kind of drinking their sorrow or drowning their sorrows. You know what's going to happen? Where are we going to go? Uh, and as we knew, the well, as I suspected, and I think most of us did, including Gray and I, yeah. the Lido did yeah, not scan for signs of life on that first planet in this race. So Freeman is going to take this to uh, uh, the Starfleet Council. Um, and the whole time this is happening, 
Rutherford has been checking the the code of the Lero several times. You see him do it. You see him look at the ship fascinated initially, and it makes sense why. You see him on his pad checking these codes that the code of the ship constantly. Like this is deja vu. This seems familiar, and it is. Um, finds out it's his own code because remember he's like a part of him cybernetic. I know it's very Borges, but. Um, that he's implanting what he's got a little bit of cybernetics in there uh, for his memory and whatnot and his vision here uh, and he recognizes it uh, he then gets a little bit of a malfunction with this uh, kind of eye patch thing he's got sensor thing and he sees the rest of the vision from before when it was kind of in the last season or was it beginning this season yeah beginning this season it was yeah, kind of happened a couple of times. Yeah, you couldn't see the person uh, in the image, but you could see the people that kidnapped him before and what actually happened. But the main guy was kind of covered out. And that was fine. We're going to find out who it was. Um, it turned out, and this, I didn't see this coming, it was Admiral Buenabago. Uh, uh He is the one that done it, made a lot of sense at this stage here. Everything, the pieces are fitting together nicely. Uh, he's the one that erased his memory. Uh, you loved this part as well, Gray. Safe to say, we both thought this was an excellent little plot line. Yeah, yeah. I think they they continued and wrapped up the plot line from the previous several episodes and so forth, if you count them all. Um, and I think I didn't see the mystery person coming to be admiral. I thought that was going to be maybe something different. But then yeah. when it did happen, it made all the sense in the world, and then tied in perfectly to uh, the now evil. If you want to call it that, Anno, uh, Admiral Buenamigo. And so now it all ties up and ties into everything perfectly. Since his memory is coming back, Rutherford's seeing this. He saw it. Now it now confirms it. So that all that all that stuff again. PCs fit I'll nicely give, now. Right. I'll I'll give due credit to the writers. That stuff really really went nicely. It's it's just I think that's probably what, make, what messes me up even more so because some of the stuff that they wrote and some of the scenes were really good and other ones were complete crap. So I just it's just like like this, you know. See, Gray, this is why, um, I think this is part of the reason why we get annoyed, certainly I do, because these writers are proven they can write good stuff. They can write good stuff, they're just not consistent, and it seems well, to be you, as much you, bad you, stuff as there is good stuff. You know what it seems like to me, and, and, and again, we, we don't know, because we don't know what happens in the writer's room, um, but it's almost like two different people are writing this. It's like... One guy's yeah. writing the stuff that with this following story, and then the other guy jumps in to write this other stuff. Uh, but that still doesn't mean that they're not at fault. They are because they're in a writer's room, and the head writer is the one that's controlling the room, like it does for every TV show, every movie. So it's, it's, it's the head writer's responsibility to get canon correct. Yes, of course, they've stretched canon here and there. Okay, fine. Once in a while, that, that, that plays out okay. But when you just come in there and just totally wreck it, and and you're the head writer and you're letting this happen, sorry, yeah, get a pass. I would like to know about this, uh, the head writer, because that's the most essential part of this puzzle with the writing team. Right. They are responsible. He or she is responsible for what happens, uh, the canon, everything, and that's why slightly diversion for a moment, Gray, um, completely actually. That's why I've got a lot of faith for season three of Picard because I can't remember the guy's name, but. He's a different showrunner. Mm. He is a massive yeah. TNG nerd. You can hear it. You can see it. It makes so right. much sense why all the cast for TNG are back. And hey. I generally think oh, it's going oh, to be great. It only great. took them two seasons to get it right. I know. Well, showrunner really helps as well. Get a showrunner that's a big Trekkie. 
because right. they're going to do justice to it. We appreciate that there's new people coming into Star Trek and you have to... Uh, it's a bloody hard job trying to keep Trekkies happy and new people happy. I know it is. I don't envy anyone that has to do it, but don't piss off your your uh, main hardcore audience that would keep it afloat uh, regardless and then focus about getting pe- new people in and you'll keep everyone happy. Again, it's it's it comes back to the same formula where okay, maybe the fans out there like like you and I are and and we, we might be a bit more hardcore, but the point is is that why would you want to go out there and just PO the fans? I mean, we're not most of the fans out there are not stupid. They're actually pretty smart. And you're going to pick and, and there's probably plenty of people, in fact I know there's plenty of people that have picked up on all this stuff. Oh yeah. And this is so blatant that you would have to be it doesn't take much of a Trek fan to realize how blatant some of these stupid things are, and a big one's coming up, so I'll, I'll hold off. <laughs> He's, I think Gray likes to give people a heads up. This is coming in case you need to yep. like pause it and go for a pee break or a drink break or take a big deep breath, because yeah, sometimes you, gotta, you need them. Listen. <laughs> and we've got all the way through you, it without this, so we're staunch. There's just one huge problem after another, and that's why I keep on saying big problems. So yeah, yeah. My big problem number three is coming. Um. <laughs> Right, so moving on, uh, we find out that, uh, again, this this point that we just discussed before um, of uh, the Admiral uh, being the perfect uh, bad guy here and all the puzzle pieces fitting together, the DS9 kidnapping and the Breen attack were all part of the Admiral's plans, right? And I thought, brilliant, season-long arc, it's making sense. This is the best of both worlds, great. You can have your season-long arc, which new Star Trek's doing, but also have episodic episodes as well uh that's the best of both worlds and other trek series take note and and strange new worlds can continue doing your individual episodes they work that's fine but you can't have both just saying Um, well even strange new worlds it's had the overarching thing with with, uh, uh, pike seeing his future that is true that is true um they didn't didn't dwell on it too much they just kind of it was there it's the right way to do it with it but it wasn't right exactly yeah um, so the Admiral uh, basically confesses to everything. He's like, yeah, I should have deleted um, your whole memory, Rutherford. Uh, he basically talks about how once you get to Admiral, you don't really have anywhere to go. That kind of pissed me off a little bit because I'm sorry. Yeah. There's other levels of Admiral. There's bigger responsibilities. There's ambassadors. That is nonsense. It's not the same level of promotion after. I get that. But... He basically wants to try and make a name for himself, so that's why he's coming up with this Texas-class automated ship using Rutherford's code, because it seems to initially work, to be fair. Um, Because he's confessed everything, Ray, he literally commands the Alito to go fully autonomous, basically means that it can have full control over its own actions, everything's unlocked, and it's got to go and destroy the, the Cerritos. Uh, and I'm thinking, oh, here we go, ding dong, here we go between the ships. Yeah. More space, more ship. The ship battles are good in this, right? Uh, the effects yeah, from, they do them for an animated aspect, point sure. of view are good. Um, it just t- never should happen, but yeah. <laughs> uh, th- this backfires, uh, apparently, which I'm surprised of, because uh, Rutherford mentioned a comment before. Uh, no, it was, it was Tindy actually went, really, they used your code? Oh, I can see daddy issues here, you know. And that was a little nod at Rutherford, and I didn't think much of it until this point. It backfires because the the Lido was like, no, 
basically I'm not I'm not going to do what you say. I'm fully autonomous now. Screw you. Uh, so then actually turns around to one of the upper pylons of uh, the space station where the admiral's office is. Turns around and blows up. And I'm thinking, yes, he's dead. You know, this is nice. We've still got ten minutes of the episode to go. What the hell is going on right. here? I, I got to interject for a second. Very cool scene. Would never happen. Yeah, we, I mentioned here that it the just, station's defenses. Right to, yeah, yeah. but we're going to get to the reason why what, in a minute. What would assume great is uh, that the ship is inside the shield at this point. In fact, it will be because it's supposed to be a friendly ship. So I think that's why it done that. But your point coming up is still warranted because that shit happens outside the, the shields for sure. Um, yeah. So the big, it's starting to heat up now, the final act or the final third of the episode. Uh, the Lido then is its own complete ship with everything attached. So it literally hails the other two Texas-class ships to come online, which are in that space station. Uh, and they're called Dallas and the Corpus Christi. I've heard that phrase before or name before, Corpus Christi. Does that mean? The, those are, do you know that, Greg? Those are cities in Texas. Texas oh, the Corpus class. Corpus Christi is the name of a city. Yeah. yeah. Why does it get two names? That, that's just confusing. It's one name. It's just one. It's Corpus two Christi. Two words, one name. Well, I've heard it's of like Las Vegas, right? Los Angeles, I've, Las Vegas. I've heard of Dallas. Two words, but, one name. Okay, yeah, you're proving your point. Um, the, the Dallas I've heard of, I've heard of, of course, everyone has, um, but Corpus Christi I had not heard of. So this is interesting. Um, I wish they would use more cities from around the world and not focus it so much in the States, but that's because I'm not American, I guess. Um, the station is uh, no match for these. It over here. Uh... <laughs> it was invented over there, that's true. Best engineer yeah, ever that existed in Star Trek was Scottish, though, just saying. Um so the sure, station sure, is sure. Uh, no match for these three Texas-class ships and starts taking a pounding. The pounding theme is here yet again. Uh, the Cerritos puts out a distress call to try and get some help. Now, Gray, uh, I'll let you take a breath and go for this one. You're not happy about this one, and I kind of agree with you to oh, this man. I'll have to take a big breath. Okay, so this is big <laughs> problem number three, I call it. I'm, I'm already livid and angry at big, pro- big problem number one and two, and now here comes another one. First, a Starfleet station of that size is equipped with near-planetary scale shields. We're not talking about a little dinky station or just one ship. This is a massive size body. It's like the sm- size of a small moon. Yeah. Okay. So it has planetary scale shields. It has an immense power. Okay. There's no way one ship would ever do damage like that to a, to a, to a station. I don't care if the weapons are so-called new or experimental. That's all crap. Even three ships, which we now have three Texas-class ships, could not take that kind of damage on a station. It would take a long time to get through the shields. That's the way it's designed. And then when those, when those shields are finally starting to buckle, perhaps that's plenty, plenty, plenty of time for any kind of starships in the area to come around and, uh, and help out. Now, we're, again, we're not talking about three sovereign-class ships, which are, are the top-of-the-line ships at the time. Okay, these are three Texas-class ships. They're not sovereigns, not as good as sovereigns, not as powerful as sovereigns, but they're just you don't know that. through the station. You don't know they're not as powerful as a sovereign. They're, they're, they're not, believe me. They're, they're, it's just not. A sovereign's top of the line. So you're telling me those little Alitos are top of the line better than the sovereign. No. You and don't so, know their specs. Even if they are, it doesn't even matter. 
you could have three sovereign ships firing on that station, and you're not going to get through the shields right away. It just won't happen. Right. Now, on top of that, the stations are loaded, and I mean loaded, with big-time defensive weaponry. That's the way they're designed. Otherwise, any, 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 any enemy fleet could just, just batter stations anytime they wanted to without a problem. No, the stations are very well protected for a reason. On top of that, the stations generally are located in areas where there's always several starships around that can be called in immediately. So none of these, star, none of these ships come in except towards the end when a Sovereign class comes in. So you're not going to bring down the shields. You're not going to make a mess out of the ship, even with three Texas class. It, there's just no way that's going to happen. On top of that, you have the defensive weapons bearing down on you, which will make it even harder to try to overcome the fact that you're to take down that station. So that whole thing is utterly ridiculous, complete fantasy, and the writers are completely out of their mind. There you okay. go. Okay, right. Uh, so there's definitely something in that, great. I partly agree with that. What I would say uh, to be devil's advocate here is... What I think, and until this is said by a writer or someone, a showrunner in, in Star Trek, I can't prove it otherwise. But did you notice, normally in modern Trek, this era onwards, uh, unlike older Trek, you you have the different, so you have different sh- types of shields. Back in old Star Trek, you never actually saw them. It looked like they were going through the ship. Purely because these shields literally hugged the whole hull, which was a down downside, like an older, uh, uh, earlier technology. As shields went on, uh, TNG era onwards, it was more of the bubble, which made sense because that right. disposi- uh, the, the energy from the shields didn't go straight into the hull. So that made sense. What I'm thinking here, and again, I can't prove it, I'm not saying your point's wrong, um, is these three Texas-class ships, especially the two that it calls upon, the Lido, were in inside the shields so when it's firing on the space station you don't see the 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 hitting of the shields effect which you normally see in tng era onwards it's very visible and i think it's a good part of a plot because you can see what's actually happening uh for the the noob out there all three ships are i think inside because bear in mind shields go quite far out as well from ships especially star bases uh, it does have immense power, Gray. You're right. That's one thing about Starbase, especially that style of Starbase. The big for people uh, listening to this or have not watched the episode, it's the this typical one from uh, the one outside Earth's uh, orbit, and it's the big long one with the kind of dome at the top, the, the classic one, the one I love. It's got a massive power core, mass, and it's got good shields. So if these ships are not even not even a question, have you ever seen episodes of the of the older station like you're talking about, which we uh-huh. saw, and you saw the Enterprise, the Enterprise, okay, top of the line, yeah, it's tiny Enterprise, right? It's this big yeah. going into the station. So you're going to tell me that that station can be taken com- almost completely out by by a couple of other ships? No, nope. I'm not. I'm not necessarily saying that. Definitely not. No, uh, and I, I don't, and I don't, and I can't go along with the inside the bubble thing because first of that? all. Think about it. If if you have enough technology to create a bubble, and you also had the technology to have it hug mm-hmm. uh, your ship tightly, it's a matter of flipping a button and have it hug the station. Yeah, you could. Or, do that. Yeah. or even more intelligently, they would have a series of shields on a station that big. You have your outer, and then backup and shields, in, and you have your inner, and both are working. 
So oh. that is, and I, I understand what you're saying, but it's to, to me that's completely you, it's you can't yeah. do it. I, Not ever gonna happen. I, I, I think that's my reason for it. I think that's why it happened. Uh, I'm trying to think the way yeah, these the writers, writers are thinking, you know. And yeah, they're wrong. Right, which is, yeah, exactly. I know they're wrong, they're but like, I, I'm a writer for a moment, Gray. I'm trying to think what they're thinking doing this. Because if that's the case, if they're outside the Shields argument's sake, right, then I'm I, I, again pissed off because I should I should see... You see this in this series, actually. You do see uh, the ships getting shot upon, especially when they... See when the Starbase is firing back at the Alito? You see the shield hits around it. But you don't see that in the starbase, yeah, and that's annoying. Right. So they're they're probably inside, although I can't prove it. I know I can't prove that. Um, so you so it does, right, and you're so you're telling me it, that uh, okay, like you said, you can fire on the ships and you see the ship shield. Yeah. But of course, the starbase has nothing. No, because the, the, these weapons go right through it and start pulverizing the station. The, of course, that's never going to happen. The another reason why I think it takes out the Lido takes out some of its weapons, the the starbase's weapons, really easily is because again, I think it's in the shields. You don't see a shot. A shot can't come through the shield and then hit the weapons. It has to either phase through the shields, which we've seen before, or it has to be the shields have to be down, or it has to be inside the shields to then take it out in one go. Uh, we we don't know for sure, but I mean it's it's bad writing again. I'm not denying that. Right. I think as well, Gray, that uh, I can't prove this point either. But uh, a, sh- a a star base is heavily uh, shielded and defended, right? I know this much. It's got big en- a core at the bottom, power core to keep it going. The shields are really powerful. So you're right. If it were outside the shields, I don't think it would stand a chance unless you've got a fleet taking it down. Well, um, uh, hang on, let, hang on, hang on. Hang on. The defensive, the defensive weapons. I don't think these star bases. They have weapons on them, but they're not. They're, they don't have shit tons of phaser rays, shit tons of photon torpedoes. That they've got some. They rely mostly on their shields. And I think I've seen this or heard this in Star Trek before. Gray, they, that star base of that type also relies on ships inside for armament. The ships would come out and start firing. So right. yeah, on you go. Right, exactly. There should there would be ships inside. There, you know that the station is not. But you don't go see fight. Right, you're not going to have. Uh, you're not going to go uh, a station of that size without fighters. So you're going to have fighters that may be on close to, if not equal to, a defiant class. And these fighters are going to come out smaller versions, let's say, of of a defiant. And you don't ship. see them. They're going to they're going to come streaming out of the space station. To, to to beat the crap out of you before you get before you even have a chance to get through the shields, let alone the fact that you ain't gonna get through the shields anyway. Wait, where are they, Gray? Why was and there nothing inside? That, on top of that, even if you don't have a phaser array, which I'm sure they do on big stations. No, they will, they will. It's it's minimal. They're though. defending themselves with massive size cannons. These hmm. cannons are the size of shuttlecraft. They're massive. Dude, all you need is one shot from that thing to hit you and you're gone. I mean, if a cannon of that size hits a Romulan warbird, it's blowing up. Blowing yeah. up. There's a reason, okay. people, why in TNG era, you never seen the Klingons, the Romulans, just gang up and go outside it's, Earth and, and start it, pump, pump, pulverizing right. it. And it makes, very, it makes total sense. Do you think Starfleet's going to send three ships to a Klingon station and try to blow it up? No, sure, they, they'll they, send, they send a fleet. That's what they do. Exactly. You you would have first of all, it would be insane to even send a fleet. But if you're gonna do it, you're gonna send about a dozen sovereign class ships and lose and some that, and lose some gray in the process. And and even that won't probably won't be enough. You have to bring at least twenty or thirty or, of these things. Again, people aren't thinking the station is freaking massive. 
Yeah. It's yeah. like the size of the moon. I mean, come on. It's just, it's so you just, you, just, you, you can see Gray and I's passion with this one here. I, I agree with a lot of stuff he says. And if it seems to you, Gray, or the listeners and the viewers that I'm maybe trying to counter, I'm not, I'm actually doing what a good host would do and try to be as balanced as I possibly can because I agree a lot of stuff with Gray. This is why it kind of works. He'll pick up on some things I've missed and vice versa. Gray remembers older Star Trek compared to me. I remember some more of the modern Trek because Gray doesn't like it. So, you know, the yin to the yang. But we're passionate about it. This is why we talk about these things. Um, but we'll, we'll move on because, oh, believe you me, there's definitely more to go. Um, we catch up with Beckett again, Mariner, sorry, I'm going surnames now, uh, to find out where this funding's coming from for our sh- for the architect's ship, our, our fuel, our supplies, everything, because when you're not in Starfleet, you need to pay for this shit, Grey. Um, it turns out, because she's poking away Mariner on the console while the architect goes, I don't know, to the lure, whatever, comes back, she catches Mariner in the... The, st- the, the computer, what you up to? She's like, I'm sorry, this is too sussy. I have to find out what the hell is going on. She went, yeah, okay, carry on then. And she finds out. She's like, oh, it's uh, Captain, B- it's uh, Admiral Picard that's funding it. Uh, and I was like, wow, this is great. This makes sense. He's the archaeology yep. type. That's his shtick, you know. Um, Grey liked this as well, a little nod to Admiral Picard. This is when you use these Easter eggs in other characters well. Um, right. A little cameo from him, cameo from him on like a a message or something would have been cool on the oh, view screen. Cool. But yeah. yeah, I haven't seen animated okay. Picard. I'd love to. Um, so yeah, uh, we both like again. It, ma- it makes total sense. It's a great throwback. It's a nice positive part of the and, episode, and it makes sense because that's Picard likes that stuff. So like, obviously, it makes sense. Perfect. Good we writing. Like we like that. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Um, don't know how the admiral's funding it. He doesn't have money, but anyway, this is us getting down to the well, minute you, you level. Know what it, they, 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 I thought they mentioned, or I think they said he probably just sells some of his stuff. No, no, I think I think she mentioned the the archaeologist lady. I thought she said something about an endowment. So what that is is, if you don't know what that is, uh, anybody out there, Admiral are you in doubt, Gray? Would be would be the figurehead, the man that spearheads the donations. Let's say to this cause. Yeah. So he puts a bunch of his money in, and then all his fellow philanthropists and everybody gather because, oh, you know, this is a cool cause because Admiral Ricard's leading it, and they put all their money in. Yeah, yeah. And then it, you know, that's how it works. So that's the that's the feeling I got from, and I thought she said endowment, which would makes makes yep. total sense, but yeah, yeah. You know. Um. So well, this is happening. Uh. Mariner finds out on Federation News, I'm calling this, I don't know what channel or service this one, I'm calling it Fed, yeah. Fed, Fed, Fed News. Um, she finds Fed news. she finds out uh, that the, the Starbase is getting attacked uh, and wants to go to the rescue. Now, I'm like, I'm sorry, is there some automated satellite drone ship out of the range of the, everything recording all this while everyone's getting smashed up i just thought it was a bit far-fetched but then to be fair in modern day today people do that during wars and stuff they still record stuff so i'll let them away with that one uh so go back it to the rescue or mariner to rescue she's going to save the day and i know she would uh it's kind of cool how she does it and we'll get to that won't be yeah. um so back to our battle uh, between the Texas class ships, the Cerritos, the Starbase. Is it still Douglas Station at this case? Uh, the Great. I don't think they say, do they? Initially it was. Let's assume it was. Yes, it is. It is. It is. Yeah, it's still Douglas Station. Yeah. Yep. 
uh, a sovereign class ship's warp sin. Uh, now, I didn't catch uh, the name of uh, the registry of it. Did you agree? They maybe mentioned yeah, it really briefly, but it was too quick. So it's another sovereign class. I'm loving the fact we're, they're using sovereign classes well in this uh, in this series of Lord X. So uh, at the time, it's the toughest ship they've got. Well, yeah. eh, maybe not. Maybe Defiant, but I'm a bit biased there. Anywho. Um, yeah, Defiant's different. Smaller, different class. Smaller. Yeah. Hey, smaller doesn't mean better, uh, worse. No, no, no. Insert the, the joke here. Point is, Scale up a Defiant to is, a sovereign class and it'll smash it. Yeah, well, you can't do that. That's the whole point. Of you can. Small. If you were to, if you were to build a, a ship the size of the, the, the Defiant, Chief Miles O'Brien. The size of a sovereign class. <laughs> Chief Miles O'Brien fixed the original. He'll fix a bigger one, right? <laughs> Actually, what would, would, would be more, what would make more plausible sense is that the sovereign class flies in. And out the back end comes about a dozen Defiant class ship, ships. That's I mean, what would happen. No, that's not happening. I know it's got a big shuttle bay, mate, but it doesn't have a small star bay, a, a starship bay. It's a lot bigger than a shuttle of Defiant. But yeah, I'd love yeah, to see it. Of it, course it, it is, would. but it's not very big. I mean, easily you could fit a few of them on, on a sovereign uh, class I would ship. love to see it. I'm not, not denying that. I'd definitely love to see it. So this um, sovereign class ship does warp in, uh, but it takes it. Then I don't like this. The Texas class ships all three of them gang up on it and start firing these new fancy weapons now i, I say it with me gray she's taking a pounding again yeah. uh and these fancy weapons no one describes what they are it's, no one tells us what they are it's like a it's a pink it's random pink why pink uh a pink photon or type of torpedo that shoots out and then splits into like cluster uh tor- torpedoes now I wish someone had told us what they are, scanned it, because we don't have a clue with that, and that annoys me. Gray, again, obviously, he's, I'm not happy with this. Either is Gray, and you can tell us why you're not happy with this, Gray. Um, as we've been complaining before, when the Sovereign class ship comes in, remember, Sovereign class ship is a massive ship. It's a huge ship, okay? It's top of the line. It's got the, the, the best shields. Secondary the, shields, the highest, even. The highest secondary shields, the highest tech. Uh, the 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 highest class of armaments, blah blah blah. So it flies in to help out, and these three Texas class ships make it look like Swiss cheese in about five seconds. And I'm again, I'm sitting there going like, "Come on, this is totally ridiculous. You're not going to have three ships like that pulverize a sovereign in just a matter of a few seconds." Stupid again, definitely dumb. I don't care what new weapons these are. The new weapons aren't going to cut through everything like cheese. You know, I mean, it's just. It's just too much to sit there and to have to try to accept. Yeah. You know, and on top of that, as we said before, if the sovereign ship did come in, it still has all the backing of these huge weapons on the station and its shields. So now the sovereign could be hiding behind the shield of the station and pulverizing on its own. But of course, it just flies in and gets taken out. Yeah, sure. That's real easy. Yeah. It's just it's just insane. And then and then aside from all that. Okay, the Cerita just gets pounded to hell once again, and I just I can't if there's, I can't handle this anymore. If there's one <laughs> word we take away from this season, it's pound or pounding. So it happens a lot, too much, unfortunately. I, I agree. Yeah. I've never known a ship ever in Star Trek, any ship, secondary, no. first Nothing. class, whatever, that's taken a pounding as much as this. It happens. It'll maybe happen once a season or something at best and i'm not talking about fired upon taking a bit of damage i'm talking about getting properly smashed up which it is and, and it's annoying gray and i both hate that point um yeah. again being on my 
Not that I disagree with you, Greg. Getting on my trying to be balanced diplomatic uh, chair here, thinking like these writers, God forbid. Um, and again, it would be crap writing if they were to then you say, you know, these uh, Texas-class ships are actually bigger than you think because sometimes you don't get scale. Scale is difficult in this, and I don't see really properly how big they are. So I don't know how big they are. I don't know how powerful they really are, their shields, their weapons. Again, I, I, the point I made before, Gray, uh, I wish they told us about these new torpedoes because I know nothing about them. Uh, if they actually, again, good writing, if they just said, listen, this is a new thing, We've been developing for a while. It's now put into the Texas class. It's this new weapon. It's strong as hell. It smashes shields and then it clusters into more torpedoes and does a lot of damage. If they'd done that little bit of writing uh, and fact-finding before and told us, the viewer, this, I would have bought it more than I did. But they didn't. We know right. nothing about it. So that's why you're pissed off. That's why I'm pissed off because they haven't defended the writing by putting that in. We know nothing about these ships that look like they don't do much and they're smashing up a sovereign you're right yeah. normally that wouldn't happen mate there would have to be three really powerful ships to do that um, well the, the the other thing too to add insult to injury is when these new torpedoes we'll call them okay go to, uh, to hit the sovereign <laughs> they don't just they, you don't you don't just have one torpedo go through the hull they had like eight of them go through the hull of a sovereign did they go eight. through the shields they must have. Oh, yeah, right through the shields. Oh, there was no, there was no issues. That's bad no, writing nothing, again. Shields did nothing. Went right through the hull of a sovereign ship. Just goes right through the hull. Wow. That, right. That, see, that makes total sense. See, that's that's another the point. Green, I mentioned before a little heated debate about uh, uh, the the space, the the star base getting smashed up and shields, no shields, inside, outside. See, they're outside the shields. You're trying to say this new fancy weapon can then go through shields and hit the star base. Now that on paper would be the reason why that happened the way it happened, because it's going right through the shields. But again, we should see it go through the shields. You see these effects all the time in the TNG era of just think Star Trek seven generations. You see it phase through the shields to show what show us, the viewer, what's happening. But they don't show you that. And again, right. this is aimed at the cartoon audience. It's aimed at the maybe non-hardcore Trekkie that wouldn't care to pick something well, they, up. But we they've are. Got to, they have to cut corners because it's only a half an hour episode or whatever. But you can't cut corners that badly. I mean, yeah. it's just, they're, just, they're just totally... Mate, just they've totally cut ridiculous. corners that bad, they're doing a circle. They're coming back in <laughs> exactly. themselves. And the thing that's silly is that even if you if you take for a moment that these weapons are so fantastic, which I, I refuse to believe. Yeah, because we have no backstory these... on them. So you're right. Exactly. And, and, and even whatever backstory there was, I still would find hard to believe. Yeah, but yeah, for yeah. the moment, let's just accept that. Okay, so if these first few phaser blasts and or torpedoes got through the shields, you don't think that the station, after getting hit by a couple of these, is going to quickly start, start phasing their shields to, you know, and changing them. So that so that they they can quickly adapt or at least adapt as much as possible. They're they're on it like a like a hawk on a on a rat. They're gonna sit there and just go like, all right, we're we're gonna start phasing these things off. We're gonna and they they would be doing all kinds of things. Yeah. And eventually, within the first couple of minutes, they're gonna figure out how to stop these things or at least make them less effective. They're not the board. They're what, not. They're not gonna adapt or change their shields. No, but they're but but it's not like it's a hard. It's a difficult thing to do. In fact, they even mentioned in I don't know if it was a. Lower decks episode or another one, but they said that the whole reason why a lot of times why 
weapons can get through the shields is because they're just not adjusted for what they're facing. Yeah. And as soon as you get a little bit of a grip on what it is, you can change the shields. That's yeah. why the shields work. You see, all the time in Star Trek, they change the frequency of the shields. And if you can match the frequency, like Star Trek Generations, it will go right through it as if it didn't exist because it's matching the frequency. But no one ever knows the frequency of shields. That's the whole point. Right. Trying and to hit right. the frequency is like, I don't know, a needle in a haystack. So Right, it's, right. So there's just, and, and even, if, even if I were to say for the moment, that there was no shields around around this giant station, right? Or they're they're totally ineffect, ineffect, ineffective, which is a big it's it's impossible. That can never happen. But let's just say it did. It didn't matter. That many torpedoes going out is just going to be like the size of a grain of sand bouncing off a basketball because the station is massive, dude. You're just not going to take down the station and and mess it up like that. Yeah, you're just I think, not. I think that's part of the problem. And and, and, and and think about it for a second too. Do you really think? that the armor built into a station that size would be every bit as good as a starship and actually much better than a starship with multiple layers. No. Of course no, it's going to. No, because in the TNG era, the only ship we start finding out towards the end of it that's, or not even TNG, DS9 onwards, the only ship that starts getting the blade, uh, of, armor, is blade of armor is a defiant and now after the defiant gets it every bloody ship seems to have it but right at but that at that st stage no one knows that star bases have a blade of armor no one's okay, ever said that so i can't assume they you, do you don't have to my point is that a station that size is going to build layers of of of, of armor yeah it's called a blade of armor doing well my but my point is is that is that it's not a hard it's not a hard thing to sit there and go like let's just keep laying layers of this of what we have because the station's not going anywhere. It's not a ship. Mm -hmm. So you can actually spend more money to make the armor pretty thick. You know, there's a difference between a, a, a one-inch piece of steel and a five-foot-thick piece of steel. You ain't getting through it that easily. Okay, so the stations are going to be built like that. They're going to be built like freaking tanks. And tanks can take a punishment before they actually blow up. There's a lot of assuming here, Gray. I like it's the even facts. A, it's not even assuming. It's normal. Hey, prove that's it. Just, prove that's it. Pro prove it. That's logic. Go to memory alpha and prove it to me. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm saying I'm, I mean, that, I'm, I'm just being devil's advocate but again. But, but that's right. But that's logic. common knowledge. I mean, if you even go Is to it? the navy, that if, yes, if you go to the navy today, do you think the armor of the of the World War II ships compare to the armor of today's? No. But if you have enough thickness of armor, you're going to slow down what happens to your ship, at least to a point. Until it gets through all that armor. No, I get you, man. Why do they? Why, I'll, I'll give you another example. Why do they build bunkers that have ten foot thick concrete walls or, or whatever, and and maybe even steel in between? Because the more thickness you put in there, the harder it is for you to get through it. That's so what you she mean to said. Tell me that a <laughs> so you mean to tell me a station <laughs> added to the shields? You're not going to build armor pretty thick on the. Great. On, I'm on not saying. I'm not saying you're wrong. You, maybe, I don't, no, I know you're not. I'm, not, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, talking, I'm saying I'm, you're not right or wrong. You don't. You're assu you're assuming, and I don't think that's a bad thing to do because we like to think logically. That's what we do. But it's just I. No one actually does a deep deep dive exactly like right. on a but, on a star base like they do in a ship to what armaments it's got. Uh, right, what, but here's where, it's, here's where it falls on bad writing. If you if you if there's certain things you can assume pretty pretty logically without mm -hmm. getting too wacky, and this is one of them. I mean, it's so blatantly stupid what, what they wrote into it on, on multiple fronts, okay, that it's just, 
it's just it's just crazy it's just you just can't do that it's just like it's just totally unbelievable in other words stretch the boundaries of believability a little bit but they didn't do that they just completely snapped them yeah and then some see that's a good point i'll touch on what greg just said there i think that sums it up nicely yeah you can you can stretch things a little bit of course you can we don't have a problem with that but Without evidence, without, you know, if you're just completely ruining canning and not thinking about what you're doing or giving explanations, then people are going to get upset. I have to agree with that point, Gray. Um, so anyway, right. So all these ships taking a pounding, the Starbase is taking a pounding, rightly or wrongly. Um, Freeman, Captain Freeman uh, hails the Lido, actually, the Lido AI. Uh, and says that she's got Rutherford, uh, and because she's got Rutherford there, he can delete its AI. And initially, Rutherford's caught off guard. And he's like, "Oh, can I? Oh, yeah, yeah, I can, I can." So I like that little touch. He's like, "Yeah, I'll take you down," you right. know. Uh, and the Texas class ships actually stand down for a moment to kind of, you know, collect their thoughts, their AI thoughts about what's going to happen, just in case uh, this can actually happen. Um, now, the point is that they want to get. The Texas class ships away from the starbase because again she's taking a pound in. So literally, Cerritos uh, warps away. Um, we Carol Freeman says because her, her saying is "warp me," which I like. I mean, every captain's got to have their own saying, and she now says basically "maximum warp me," which makes no sense, but it's her <laughs> shtick. I like that line. Give okay, the station yeah. a break. Uh, the Alido, in fact, all the Texas class ships follow suit, which is part of the plan. Grey notes here; it's a good scene. I think it was a good scene after a crap scene. So it's nice to see. Now, it's like yang and yang, good scene, bad scene, now, good scene, uh, bad I, scene. I got to interject again and go back to the ultimate computer. And they did it first years ago in the original series. And this was the whole thing where the AI looked yeah, at I Rutherford and said, oh, that's daddy. That's the guy that created me, right? They do it in the, uh, in the ultimate computer far better than this episode. Nice. And long ago, and long ago, and was one of the first. I'm not going to say the only because there was other science fiction movies out at the time, but they were one of the first that, and if not the first, that tackled this this problem and did it well. So if anybody out there has not seen the original episodes, even if for whatever reason you don't want to watch all the episodes, go back and watch that one because there's certain key episodes that are ranked up there in the best 10 to 15 of the whole series, and that's one of them. I knew really, I had, really uh, good. I knew I had Gray on here for a reason. He remembers these things. Um, yeah. yeah, we like that scene. Uh, the, the the chase is on between uh, these four ships here. Uh, the Cerritos is now at maximum warp, giving it all she's got, pun intended. Um, they literally, at this point, ask... Uh, for Billups, it's not Phillips, it's, it's uh, Chief Engineer Billups, I remember his name now. Um, Freeman asks Billups, uh, you know, if you, can, you, can you give me all you've got? And he kind of says, yeah, I'm giving you all you've got, but I'll try and squeeze a little bit more out. Uh, but, you know, maybe the pylons might not be able to take it, Captain. So, uh, which was a nice, you don't normally hear that, the pylons, I mean, they are attached to the pylons, so yeah, all that stress is, all that energy and speed is going to do something to the pylons. And you see the physical effects of of the energy yeah. being too much, I like that. You don't see that too enough in Star Trek, so I can you can visibly see the Cerritos is understrained yeah. here at maximum maximum I thought, warp. I thought that was a good scene because th those effects that we saw were often talked about, 
but I think because of cost wise or whatever back then, they couldn't really show it because yeah. it had just been too expensive. But with yeah. animation and even CGI to some effect, but especially in animation, you can actually show that really much well. more simply and a lot less expensive. And yeah. that truly would be what would happen if those kind of stresses were happening to it. Yeah. And so that was good. That was good to see. I like to see that. Uh, they're trying to get suggestions because these um, Texas class ships are catching up. Surprise, surprise. You know, they've got state of the art everything. Of course they do, Greg. So they're catching up on a Cali class ship, which I don't know its top warp speed, but it's bloody fast. Let's say that much. Uh, they're slowly but surely catching up. They're, uh, Freeman's asking for suggestions from the crew. Shaq uh, suggests ejecting the warp core and using it as a mine, but it's almost kind of dismissed, which I noted was a shame for Shaq's because um, well, what, they, they well, bypassed well, this a lot. Let's go back for a second, though. Uh, that we'll was for comedic uh, comedic reasons, which I thought was funny because yeah, it's part because of Shaq has said more than once, you know, eject the warp core just because he keeps saying it. It's a funny or line. Fire this or do once. this or right. But this time when he said it, it was hilarious because he j- he was doing it to be. You know, to make a point, serious, but he wasn't really being serious, and he's just going, "I jacked the warp core." So, you, and everybody's going, "Like, yeah, oh, you yeah, always yeah. say that," <laughs> you know, yes. stuff like that. You, but, and y'all let you see. Yeah, it, here comes the good scene. It was, it was a great scene uh, because Boyman literally interrupts and tells everyone in the bridge to shut up. Uh, he's basically saying, "Captain," she's like, "What? What did you say to me?" He's like, "Captain, oh, listen to what Shaq's is saying." Um, he's actually got a point. He did suggest. You know, ejecting the warp core and using it as a mine, and she goes, "Oh, he always says that. That's why we kind of dismissed it." But yeah, actually, yeah, that's a bloody good idea. Let let's go with it. So she gives him permission, and then he goes off. Now, let's have a little bee in my bonnet here. He goes down to yeah. engineering, but as he's going along, he's cheering and smiling, and then everyone else is clapping him along the corridor. I'm thinking, Jesus Christ, man, is he is he leaving the ship for good? Is he being promoted? What's going on here? Um, what annoyed me here, Gray, and I, I mentioned it as well, was he didn't have to go down to engineering to eject the warp core. I think it was almost like a treat for him. She's allowing it to do him, but that's a time-wasting thing. She should have yeah, should have just said in the bridge to Billups and the two you guys, right, eject the core, do it. But because all he does is he goes down with Billups and turns two keys at the same time. I've never right. seen that for a warp core. The, have you seen Balana do this? He, two keys? No, but it does make sense because an ejecting a warp core is not something you do. It doesn't normally, make sense. So. You've never seen it before. One person can do it. They do it all the time. Gone. Right. Yeah, but in the time that he walked down there, they could have blown up the ship. But <laughs> I, I, I'm letting, I'm letting it pass only because it was such a good scene and it, and it was hilarious because he's always saying this and now it's like I've always said this now I get to do it yeah <laughs> so I'm kind of like all right now I can understand you know hey it's a comedy it's, hey. a, it's an animated show we got we got to cut some slack somewhere so says here, you that just slack. spent most of this episode slating no, no wait <laughs> I I get it I understand it you're right but. If I'm gonna cut slack to the writers, I'm gonna cut it here because this okay. made made more sense to give them slack, and it was funny. The other stuff, forget it. You didn't get no slack. It was yeah. ridiculous. No, I I will give them slack as well. When I say they're small things, I generally mean they're small things. That's why they haven't yeah. brought my score down for the episode. Um, yeah. But yeah. Anyway, so uh, digressing. Um, so he literally goes down with, uh, to engineer with Billups. Um, they literally put two keys in as if it was something out of. 
uh, I don't know, a modern bloody submarine with a captain and the first officer yeah. need to turn the two keys at the same time. nuclear weapons. Yeah, it's kind of like that, actually. But I like that little touch. If they'd actually done yeah. that in yeah. other Star Trek stuff, Grey, that it's a serious thing. Two people need to do it. One person shouldn't do it. Maybe the well, t- turning of the keys is a bit silly, but... Uh, okay, now let's go back to the original series again. Okay, if we could keep they backtracking. Not, they didn't do the keys. But in the original series, they did do the part where they they threatened to blow up the Enterprise, and they needed two officers to give yeah. the, the codes to blow up the ship, which in this case was uh, Kirk and Spock. Great, they do this for oh, uh, Star no, Trek. Wait, wait, oh, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Oh. Sorry, they had to have, they had to have three officers do this ah, because true, you just true, don't true, you true. just don't bla- you just don't blatantly blow up a ship. It was yeah. it was uh, Kirk, Spock, and Scotty. Yeah, uh, you, they, you. They had to give the the zero zero destruct zero, you, you, and then you finally the you ship do get through it. Star Trek that to blow up the ship, it's always two officers at least. It's always, and that's right. the way it should be. I'm just saying for something like this with the warp core, it should again still be two officers. Or I guess yeah, the the key thing that's the same difference, but two keys. Who has bloody keys on a starship anyway? Right. So comedy, we're nitpicking. Moving on. So. Uh, <laughs> The Cerritos at this point is is adrift with no power because it's ejected the warp core. Uh, I get a little bit annoyed about this and can agree agree with my point here because we've seen it before in Star Trek. Every time they've ejected the warp core, the warp nacelles uh, power down. Obviously, there's no light to them anymore, but the lights over the ship in general are still working. It's got ba- backups. It's got reserves. It's got battery reserves. It still gets shields and weapons. Yes, that energy wouldn't last nowhere near as long without the warp core because it regulates it all, but they still get plenty of power. When you see the Cerritos, it looked like it had no power at all. So show the lights still on. Something, man. You agreed with that point, Gray, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, def- definitely. It just things just didn't seem to make sense. If you're if you're ejecting the warp core and you're going on emergency power and impulse, your lights are going to dim, or things will look darker, or things will go red, or or whatever, showing that you've lost something, but we'll still you're still have power. operable. And they yeah. look like they were there was no difference at all. They eject the warp core, and rap, we're fine. Uh, like, yeah, what? Yeah. Yeah, and so warp, I don't think so. Ejecting a warp core is such a mechanic that's been used so much by Star Trek. I'm not going to complain about that point because if they do it and they do it well, I don't mind. And they did use right. it well this time here. Yeah, use it as a as a mind to detonate, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. I have no problem with that. The Lido, uh, we see it. It's it's caught up. Uh, looks like it survived the dam. Uh, uh, it's sorry, it survived the attack, but it has taken a bit of damage. So those mighty star base. Uh, weapons did make a detonate at least which we would bloody hope so um at then here we go fires on the cerritos while it's unpowered whatever drift defenseless and really smashes her up this time proper like one of the cells is gone and i've just put in bold here again a goddamn joke and gray's just literally <laughs> small point now, isn't that massive rant he's just literally put here i'm truly speechless at this point and that's saying something considering some of these long rants he's, he's been on. But yeah. again, we, we've lost count. I've generally lost count. There should be one of these things. You get this sometimes, Gray, on reviews and stuff where it goes, let's count how many times they said this, or yeah. let's count yeah, how yeah. many times ding, someone farted ding, and ding. you get ding, 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 you know? They should have, we should have done this for this. We would have been well into double right. digits by now. Um, uh, but, who knows? Once was enough, <laughs> let alone twice being stupid. Now it's been like seven, eight, nine times. Like, oh my God. In a season, and that should be in a whole yeah, in a season, and exactly. a whole series at best. That should be happening if that. 
Uh, but so yeah, basic, so, so basically, it's all the, the, the Cerritos got pounded almost as many times as there is episodes this season. Oh, I could have put, in a, pretty, I could have put in a, another really, really rude joke there, but let, let's not do that. You can use your imagination, yeah. adult viewers. Um, but yeah, <laughs> anyway, so it probably has been pounded more than that as well, Gray. Um, so, uh, Beckett arrives, uh, just as Freeman's going to uh, abandon the ship because they don't really stand a chance. Now, you see Beckett arrived, you're like, she's this little shuttlecraft type ship. What the hell is she going to do, you know? Maybe she's got yeah, some genius plan. Nothing. Yeah, she's going to hack in and disable the fleet, which would be lame, but, you know, it makes sense for the limited resources yeah. she's got. Uh, Captain says, oh, thank you. You know, it's nice to actually see you again. Uh, what are you going to do, though? You know, you're one ship. Uh, you're, just, you're just alone. She went, ah, I'm not alone. I brought help. I love this, but I genuinely love this. Is what brought it up a bit for me this episode. It's another Cali class ship. Of course, it is. It's the Oakland. And you're still thinking, you know, Freeman's like, that's not enough. It's still not enough. We appreciate it, but it's not enough. Uh, you know, you need one ship, uh, one Cali class ship won't do it, is what she says. And, she, and then uh, Mariner turns around and went, good thing I brought all of them. And literally, the 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 the, the, the Lord Dex music comes on, the theme music. All these Cali class ships start warping in, and the hails are standing in the back of my neck, giving me a bit more respect for the series, for the class of starship, for how it's just yeah. I just love the Cerritos more than I, I did before. Nowhere near my yeah. favorite starship, but it's went up a bit now, and loads of them warp onto the screen now. Gray's done a, a account here. He saw 26. I saw a free shot as well. I saw 20. There's probably more than 26. There was loads. That's yeah. um, just of what we, what we saw. It, Everything was happening. Yeah, so fast. So fast. And and don't yeah. get me wrong, Like I liked that little touch. Like, literally, let's hail all the Cali class ships. Now, I found this hilarious, Gray, because every time they need help, any main starship or plot, what happens... We're the only ship in the bloody sector. So conveniently, all of them can get there and they're close. <laughs> they well, made first, up for First it. of all, it, it was a great scene, but if you had to look at it a wee bit more realistic, there's no way every no. Cali ship's going to get there no. in time. It's just impossible. Some of them, yeah. But a bunch would make it and at least it made the point. So. Yeah, and, and I think what gives a little bit of defense to uh, the writers, again, because I'm trying to be in the neutral yeah. chair here, um, I don't, is, I don't, I don't blame them for that one. It, that's fine. Yeah, you can accept that. If you're given a little bit of credit, uh, if these Texas class ships are as powerful as the writers are making them out to be, again without evidence, um, then it's the number of Cali class ships that turn up where it's probably going to be required for these ships that are so bloody outgunned and uh, you know, like make the Defiant look like a bloody shuttlecraft. And again, that's that would piss me off, obviously. Because it defines my baby, uh, but yeah. So there's a lot of bloody starships. Let's say it this way: the uh, one of the ships has. <laughs> I noticed this, but great. They, they, they do go around a couple of the Cali class ships, and because uh, yeah. we've introduced yeah, several. we've been introduced to some of them through uh, the three seasons. Uh, yeah, you did I, see one or two that you yeah, recognize the I, captains and yeah, the guy with like the facial, the big like fuzzy hair, like a Wookiee type thing. You yeah. see him, and you see you see a few of them, and one of them we don't know has a couple of 
insectoid type officers that look a bit like <laughs> Boimler and Mariner, but they're insectoids with the big ears and the like. Yeah. And one I of thought, them look like a, gi- a giant fly sitting at the helm. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, what? But you know, I like that. I'll take this. I'll take this. I but mean, that, but technically, that could be possible because I mean, if there's bloody yeah. cats in it, mate, anything is possible. The yeah, world. Yeah, there you go. Right. The, the universe yeah. is your oyster. Um. So yeah. Um. Big fan of this scene. I generally that 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 made me smile. Really did. Probably the best bit of the episode for me, anyway. Uh, and then what we see is the Lido taking a pounding for once. It doesn't know what to do. It, it's trying to track onto different ships. There's so many of them. It's overwhelming yeah, it. It. Um, it then starts right. Okay, it's going to use its pink pink torpedoes. <laughs> I'm just going to slag the weapon by calling them pink torpedoes because that's what they are. They're like torpedoes that break into cluster bombs or mines, you know, so um, now, we're, going course, to, we're going to... Of course, now, here's another yeah. thing that's kind of stupid. Alright, the ship just got blown out by a, by a warp core explosion, which technically really should have took it out. But if it's not going to take it out, it's got to be pretty battered. Well, it is. I mean, you see it visibly. It, yeah. is, it is, but but of course, it's not battered enough that it can't lock onto every ship or try to lock onto every ship. And of course, it's not battered enough to get ready to shoot all the. Mate, torpedoes. you can't lock onto thirty plus starships at the same time. No, I, I agree. Don't, but no it's chance. trying That's to do why, that. Yeah, yeah, it's trying. But yeah, but it's been battered, and 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 you mean to tell me that your torpedoes are fine after a war core explosion? Could be. Oh, it's the pink torpedoes, mate. Don't mess with the pink torpedoes. Oh yeah, don't mess uh, with the pink torpedoes. <laughs> So sure, they're gonna come out. They're gonna come out of all that and just go yeah. like our weapons work perfectly. But they, yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's a it's a plot point. Uh, so these these torpedoes are still working. The units are completely intact. Um, it fires its new weapon uh, towards the Cerritos, and and that would take out n- no problem the state it's in and how pink these yeah. torpedoes are. Uh, but Mariner comes to the rescue here with a little shuttlecraft type ship. Uh, phasers the 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 torpedo out of the sky, so it's good to know a phaser shot takes it out. Um, not as powerful as we thought. Pink torpedoes. The, of course, the, to, to to interrupt again. Of course, they couldn't figure that out before. An entire space station couldn't figure that out before, just to fire something at it. Of I course think not. Mm-mm. You got it, but a little ship, a little shuttlecraft figured it out. Well, it's be- mm-hmm. it's Mariner. She's a genius. Yeah. I think part yeah. of the key here is firing at it before it clusters. Because when it clusters, you're screwed. You can't lock on till that. She's had it early. She's she's taken it out. She's destroyed it. Good. Uh, the Cali fleet finally destroyed the Lido, just smashing it at the same time. Um, back at the battered station, I counted 20 ships out around Douglas Station. There was probably more, though. That's all you saw at a freeze frame. Um, I was happy here because uh, Beckett uh, is... Uh, sorry, Mariner, I need to stop doing that, rejoins uh, Starfleet. So does the architect as well. You see her there, because she used to be an officer. That's what we forget. She used to be an officer a long time ago. She sacked it off because she was fed up with the Federation and their ways. But she's joined again because she saw, I don't know, our, our, our love interest is there, our pals there, and she saw maybe the good side of uh, Starfleet again. Um, mm-hmm. Tindy, a couple of uh, notes at the end. Tindy gets a new study buddy. Uh, it's a it's a Vulcan officer. She oh, runs up yeah. to her, grabs her hand, and I want you to meet everyone. Being this officer, being Vulcan, is just like, yeah, please leave me alone. But Tindy, being That's Tindy, right. is dragging her along. I get stuck with this. I need to meet. You need to meet everyone. You know that kind of thing. Um, Boimler, that we both like this point here. Boimler, uh, 
well, Shax approaches Boimler and Boimler's like, I'm really sorry, blah, blah, blah. And, he's, he, and, and Shax is like, hey, hey, it's fine. You know, they're making up their pals. Uh, he's now in the bear pack now, uh, Shax's bear pack. Uh, and now uh, Boimler's uh, new bridge buddy is going to be Shax after Shax offers him it. We love that. We both love that point, Gray, didn't we? It was a nice kind of ending yeah, that to was, that part. It was really good. Yeah. It really made a lot of sense. It, it, it went along with the type of the characters, how they react or how they are with each other. So that was fine. Yeah. That was really good. But like, I almost was expecting, it didn't happen, but I was almost expecting Tendi to get like a some kind of minor promotion. It was almost the way they were yeah. talking about it. And I was thinking like, we're going to give you like a half, because I do have half pips, you know, on the collar. Yeah. Whatever, whatever rank that is. Mm-hmm. I thought that would have been appropriate to give her like a little, a little minor. Uh, it is, it is great, but the thing here, you've, and... you've got to be careful because these, these are our, our main, our main uh, officers here are, are, are not officers, really, yeah. are, 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 are ensigns. They can, they can rank up too quickly. It's the whole ensign Harry Kim yeah. thing. Although he yeah. should have had a bloody promotion, everyone else did, and he didn't. You can't rank them up too far because they are supposed to be ensigns. They're supposed to remain guys. But if you if you're yeah. going to do the the promotion, the small promotions, pick and choose carefully when to do it, and don't do it too often because you want to keep them together. But I wouldn't have been against well, it, Ray. Certainly not. Well, the other thing they could have done, and they they do this in the military too. They may not always uh, use a, a a rank medal or 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 another pip or whatever. But they do have often. They have stripes, ribbons. And things like that, you know, you see your, you see some of them that have been uh, some highly decorated veterans. They have like they, they may have ribbons and things going all the way down their their sleeve. So they could have given her a, an accommodation ribbon that yeah. she could have put on her uniform. What? Why? That's not unheard of. I mean, I those mean, are little things that would have that I was expecting. Why Tindy? Why Tindy not Boimler or Mariner? Does it mean? Well, it doesn't mean that they would not get it at some point in the series, too. But why? That's Tindy? what I'm kind of talking about, because at the moment, what she did, what she did, you know, or what she's done or did, whatever, they were commendating her. They're they're like gushing all over yeah, her. I'm like, true, okay, well, by giving her a study buddy, that's yeah, yeah. And they've done so many different things. So technically, your study buddy, you could be a little higher. I don't know. I know it's little things. You want but to, it see would be nice to see recognition. Yeah, I know. Yeah, and there's no reason why why uh, uh, Beckett, Boimler, and the rest of them shouldn't get little things. I mean, Rutherford, okay, they supposedly built these uh, these stupid Texas class ships on his code. Well, wouldn't you automatically assume, wow, Rutherford's got some uh, he's got some chops? Yeah, he needs to be promoted. He needs to be promoted like off this. Get ship. rid of Billups. We like him instead yeah, Bob's yeah or, crap. well whatever but my but that's my point in a way it's kind of like don't you think starfleet might come knocking at the door and go like wow that's uh that's pretty good coding i think you need to come aboard our ship well they did you know? three three at least three times for uh riker and he said no um that's true yeah but but anyway right so we will wrap up we're almost there people promise um the last part of the episode here we literally uh we have one thing I actually missed out here was they asked uh why rutherford was keeping his uh his eye patch thing after what happened because he doesn't really need it anymore. He just explains yeah, it's part of him. Uh, he wants to keep it. He's, he's scanning everyone. He says, "Listen, I'm using the cool stuff." He's like scanning everyone and heat vision and all this stuff. And I'm thinking, man, it's like Superman mixed in with the Borg here. He's using different spectrums when he's scanning away. But no, he's keeping yeah. that. We have um, uh, Captain Freeman apologizing to her daughter Mariner. Um, they make up. Uh, Mariner understands 
why uh, the, her mum done what she done, but they hug and make up. Uh, and then she asked, she said, listen, do you mind if I have a mentor? Uh, maybe a Commander Ransom could mentor me. And she, the captain calls over, Jack, you're going you're, you're gonna to be mentoring my daughter. And he's like, no, no, please, God, no, 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 come on. Because the, he'd done that earlier on in the season because she was behaving, uh, misbehaving and it was to keep an eye on her. He didn't think it would be permanent. They're now at the stage where she hated him more than he hated her, although he still disliked her. She kind of likes him now, but he's not, well, he's got a bit of respect for her. He's still not a fan of her, so he's like, oh, God, no, please oh. kill me now. I think it's more in the in the character of, of Ransom too, because Ransom yeah. would rather be like uh, flirting and then and uh, pushing weights and uh, working out, and but he doesn't want like <laughs> he doesn't want any more responsibility than the responsibility he has. It's kind of yeah. like I got I, I'm in my zone. I'm good. Leave me alone. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, I did. I did. But as long ending it well is important. I thought they did end it well here. Mm. So I've I put here. Uh, I I like the Cali class more than I used to. Just, I mean, it still yeah. looks a bit ugly for me, but, you know, it's a workhorse. I love it in that respect. I gave it an 8 out of 10. I, th- I was almost tempted to bring it down one notch to, I'm going to say 7.5 yeah. out of 10. There you go. I've dropped it half a point. Um, yeah. Purely because a lot of these points, obviously, pissed us both off, especially Grey, and I, and I get them. Um, I'm just, I give, I try to give the writers the benefit of the doubt too much. I know I'm a I'm a softy. Grace doesn't take any prisoners that one, and nor nor should you, Gray. Keep being you because we need a balanced argument here. Uh, Gray, you gave it a five out of ten for maybe obvious reasons, yeah. And and if it wasn't for the Doctor Tiana scenes and That'd a couple of other things that they did well, some of the Beckett scenes and uh, the stuff that they did do very well, I would I'd give this like a two. Yeah. So you know. In other well, words, I, I kind of like you know we always talk about there's a plot A and a plot B going on or a storyline A, yes. storyline B. So the storyline B stuff that was going on, you know, Beckett and other things, that was all fine. But the main storyline A was garbage. So I couldn't yeah. give it more than a five out of ten. Fair enough, fair enough, Gray. Uh, this is why we like opinions here. I mean, this is probably the biggest difference Gray and, I've had, Gray and I've had between any of the episodes so far, but, you know, uh, it wasn't going to be completely the same for the whole season, so a little bit of a change there, but I think we see each other's points or understand them for the most part. Wait, but uh, before, before we say goodbye, though, you should give what you I'll get low, get another out to go, Gray. What are you saying? No, carry on. Okay. <laughs> what, what is your overall out of 10 rating? Off of for the, the season. season. Season three, yeah. Oh God! Oh, you put me on the spot. I am going to. All right, I'll I'll give you mine if right. you want. Right, cool. All right, I go. I go six and a half out of ten for the whole season. Yeah, I. The am... reason and the reason why I go a little bit lower because I was thinking about seven because yeah, the yeah, previous yeah. seasons one and two. Yeah. I gave it a seven. This one I had to go lower than a seven, and Nally it's ruined simply it. because of. Simply because they've had some very low episodes ever since deep, the Deep Space Nine one. I mean, that was they were peak. not good. That was their peak, right? They were not. They were not good. So, and there was two or three of them in a row that were not good. Yeah. And then this one that I that caps off all the stupid stuff that all in one episode, and that that just did it for me. Fair enough. So Greg. I'm I'm being I'm being kind at six and a half out of ten. <clears throat> I would probably be willing to go six out of ten. I season. I will then give it a seven out of ten. I was I was humming and hawing about it. I wasn't sure. Um, I will give it a seven. Yeah, um, not a 
seven minus maybe if that's a thing i've just made that scaling up um yeah it's, i'm being generous to it by that um some good episodes ds9 episode was the best one by a mile gray and i both yeah. think that we both love it uh it's just the peak too early and it went kind of downhill if they hadn't screwed up a lot of these um canon points and plot points in the finale the finale would have been a better episode by a couple of oh, months yeah. at least and it would have brought the think, average up for the season if they could have corrected and handled differently all the points that you and I agree that we don't like, this would easily have been an 8 out of 10 episode. Maybe even 9 out of 10. Yeah, yeah, I agree. That's why I gave it 8. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and they just buried it because of that, that yeah. stuff. And it wasn't just because they made one mistake. It was like multiple, multiple mistakes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Idiotic stuff. They've had more than so, one chance. <laughs> uh, right. Right. Okay, so we will finish it off there, guys. It has been probably double the length of the episode, but do you want to know something? I'm not surprised. There were so many issues we had to discuss. It was the finale. It was a beefy episode. Uh, it had to be done. No regrets. Um, I hope you enjoy it. You may have to watch this in installments. I understand. Um, but yeah, the usual call to arms, of course. Um, if you like this format, uh, talking heads, deep trek, reviews, opinions, diverging all the time, uh always give it a like and a subscribe would really help us out massively um and yeah as grace saying there comments below as well because uh we always want opinions from people that watch it don't be scared to ask for things you want to see or hear or things you want to be covered or reviewed ask questions if you want as well we can bring them up um and before that as well we are on audio podcast platforms whatever one you like it's probably going to be on there if you just want the audio not the video uh and once a month we do gray's pod which is ggr it's an entertainment focused podcast um we will do one-off specials as well we've moved to youtube for that so uh we will do our monthly show of course but whatever it is a big movie comes out or whatever we'll jump on it do a special and get more content out to you there they're ad hoc like my specials are our specials um they every now and again and then lastly uh the trekway on twitter um is the handle for this uh and if you like uh gaming both of us come from the extreme pc uk uh podcast and we can be found on there if you just search for the theorem on on the internet but yeah thank you very much for that great and, uh, it's been a long one and if you need to know where, where some of these things are, look down below because there'll be links. To, oh, always, you know, always. I, everything's always in the, the, the blurb description below to cover us because I probably forget something like I normally do. But yeah, we'll let you get away, Gray, for a drink. I'm a bit parched after that. Um, and yeah, until the next time. And Well, in fact, the next time, the next episode will be the first episode of 1.5 of Prodigy, which we'll be doing tomorrow. So keep tuned if you want us we're really looking forward to that safe to say gray probably mm -hmm. more so than nordic so yes yep. right awesome guys thank you until the next time uh do your thing gray live long and prosper cheers live long and prosper bye bye, -bye.